You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Hello and welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast, episode 40. Coming at you, the big four zero. Um, are we having a midlife crisis as a as a podcast? Who knows? I guess uh, you'll have to stick around to find out. One thing that's changing this week is we're doing a little heads up, seven up, just Lou and I here, one v one, if you will, in the podcast. So Lucas and I holding it down this week after uh, after a Vikings win, a dramatic Vikings win on Sunday. Lou, how are we feeling? How's life? How's Vikings? How's everything? Well, it's always a good Monday after a Vikings win. I cannot say that it was a super pleasurable Vikings win. They certainly kept it interesting up and down, up and down. Kind of felt like we were in control, kind of not, especially at the end there. I'm pretty sure just about 99% of Minnesota fans were saying, why us? Why does this always happen to us when we fumble the ball on our own 20, allow them to score? Of course, the two-point conversion is going to go. Um <clears throat> but Kirk Cousins, 37 seconds. I mean, usually you say Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. That's too much time. Wait, okay, wait, what? Is 37 what? seconds too much time to leave for Kirk Cousins with two timeouts? The answer? Maybe in the bedroom. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> hand up. I. This was one of the big areas that I always criticize Kirk about was he, yes, he has these numbers. Um, you know, he, he looks pretty good most of the game, but he can't close. He can't finish the game when he needs to. He can't lead that comeback. Maybe in the bedroom. And he just said, you know what? Screw it. I'll do it myself. Maybe in the bedroom. I've got Justin Jefferson. I've got Adam Thielen and I've got two timeouts. Like, yeah, my kicker just missed an unexplicably short field goal. Uh, or he's like, we'll get to that. (laughs) But, uh, and then he just did it. So like, that was, I was, I would have. Hand up. I That was Kirk proved me wrong that time. I'm getting ever closer to leaning Here over we the go. fence to become a Kirk Cousins guy. Still on the fence, but I'm leaning, folks. I <laughs> am leaning. Love to hear it. Uh, and now we're at the point where I think Dalton, Dalton is like the only person that's really a, still in the anti-Kirk Cousins podcast. And honestly, we haven't really gone to head with it. Uh, in a little while, so maybe that'll be a, a podcast coming yeah, up. Yeah, he know that's why he didn't join it. today. He was scared after a drive, a winning drive. He's gonna go hermit crab on us. So, yeah. So Vikings get a nineteen seventeen dramatic fashion win against the Lions. I think we're just gonna dive right into our happy crappy happies. So, um, take it away with the intro. mini market serving you a happy crappy happy sandwich lou let's have you start all righty um so there wasn't a ton that stuck out to me in this so but i found some positives in in a not so beautiful game yet again from the vikings number one happy Number first round pick Christian Darisaw got some playing time. It looked like maybe him and uh, I don't even want to say his name. Bingo. Yeah, we all know who I'm talking about. 
uh, looked like they were split in time, like in the second half, especially maybe one, you know, drive by drive, left tackle by committee. You don't see that too often, but uh, it was great to see him get in. And from what I could see, he didn't really screw up a ton and like allow a big sack at a really terrible time or, or anything. Like the big thing was, you know, if you're a good lineman, you really don't get noticed that much because you're not get you're not screwing up. So I didn't really notice him other than hey, 71's on the field. That's cool. Um, so there we go. Way to go, Christian Derisaw. Way to finally get out there, but a boy. My crappy Clint Kubiak, I'm just I don't get it. Yes, the Lions are terrible. They're 0-4. We've won the last seven games against them now, eight, but it felt like we got up and then we were just happy to be up three, six, and then 10 points felt like we were up by three touchdowns. But like the play calling to me just felt like we were trying to just stay where we were and we weren't really being aggressive. Like Justin Jefferson, especially, I know the broadcasters pointed it out too. He was shredding that defense. Shredding. And then they just like stopped going to him. Yeah. And like, like I feel like we gotta just try to punch in the ball, get a touchdown somewhere in that game. That's that just buries the Lions. Like this team cannot just be like, oh hey, we got a lead. We're not good enough to just be like, hey, we've got a lead. Let's sit on it, and we're fine with you know kicking a field goal or dunking mm-hmm. it down the field. We haven't earned a damn thing. We're two and three, and we yeah, granted we could be what four and one, four but and one. but still, you got to earn those victories, and we haven't. And we sure as hell tried to piss this one away too when Madison fumbled. So like, I, I'm just not happy with like, we need to try to bury a team an 0 14. Like that's a must win game. Yes, we got the win, but yikes. I was not thrilled with the play calling yet again. Definitely. And <clears throat> bringing it back around, I think Kirk Cousins may have developed an internal clock. A lot of the game, they were, getting, they were getting a lot of pressure on him, and I was anxious. I was ready to put my head in my hands, sack, oh, sack fumble, whoa, going the other way. But a lot of times, he didn't necessarily step up into the pocket, but he was able to like evade the rush just enough, which is we've been begging for him to do for four years now. And he would get the ball off, and it was usually a completion. So again, I was delighted by Kirk Cousins' play. Yeah, I think there's a couple times that I can remember him like rolling out or whatever and making a bad pa- pass, which traditionally I will say that's not one of Kirk's strengths. Like I feel like when he gets out of the pocket, like not when they try to like strategically move the pocket, he's okay. But when he has to like improvise and get out of the pocket, that's definitely an area of concern. But it felt like this week he just was more comfortable doing that or something. So I it's love like, that point. Great call out. Go Kirk. Go Vikes. It's like something nice, just happy, clicked. Sandwich, Lou. Yeah, something just clicked for him. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. This is I what I can this. do. I can actually use these things up, like attached to my ankles and move around a little bit. <laughs> Zim must have pointed that out in one of their weekly 45-minute sessions. Yeah, which they love football and just talk guy stuff all the time. So bet, a locker, bet there's a lot of locker room talk going on there. Anyways, um, some happy, crappy, happy sandwich. Mine is actually going to take a twist on it this week. Mine's entirely the kicking game. The whole thing. The whole thing. We go three for three to start the game. He's look like Joseph's looking great. He's knocking through extra point. I mean, we're feeling ourselves. 
And then to miss short, something that honestly I don't think kickers even do anymore in the NFL <laughs> inside of 60 yards. It is remarkable how long, how the kicking game has developed. Like I say dudes this are banging all the time. 60 I remember, yarders with like 10 yards of room. I remember when 50 yards was like unheard Insane. of. Like Ryan Longwell drilled a 50-yard field goal once we and nuts. people went nuts. And then just last week or two weeks ago, Justin Tucker kicks a 66-yarder. <laughs> stupid. It's just stupid. But I will say, so to have this high of we're just kicking the ish out of the ball and then all of a sudden... We miss short, so like that thing was right. We down always the miss too. left or right. right like that's just a given. But this one was going for it, going for it. I thought it legit hit the netting in the back and went down because yeah. it was at such a sharp angle. And then I think they even put the points on the board. They did, and then yeah. they took it off because the they were, were so like, confused. Hey, like, did that guy miss a short field goal? That doesn't even make sense. So that was wild, kind of a crappy situation there. But not to dwell on it, he's also the happy as well because, and I know Isaiah would love this part. We're Give him back some props. A winning field goal as time expired. Honestly, I did have my questions. We're at like 11 seconds left in the game. And Kirk, we have the ball. We could have spiked it. We could have yeah. got another playoff. We could have done a lot of things. And I'm like, why are we waiting? And I understood like, you don't want to risk it. But for me, I was like, what if we get five, 10 more yards, make this an easier, easier field goal, especially after a guy misses a field goal short. What? It's right. like one of those things where I'm like, maybe we get a couple extra yards, get out of bounds or just throw it, you know, have somebody run on the sidelines, throw it over their head. A little fake spike oh, down the sideline, Justin spike. Jefferson for the touchdown. The the Minneapolis miracle part two. This time it's in a week five game against the Lions where it's this is our Super Bowl. This was our now Super Bowl nine, whatever it is. This is our Super Bowl, Lou. Great point. But I will say the kicking game is my entire happy, crappy, happy sandwich. Ultimately ended with a happy, which is all that matters. I saw a lot of it on Twitter, and this is one of those games where, like, in three weeks, we'll probably forget entirely happened. It was just, it would just be a W on the schedule. It's one of those games where there wasn't a ton that great stuff came out of. It was just like, great, Whew, sigh of relief. We did not lose to the to the Lions. Thank God. Thank God is right. With have, the happy, crappy, happy sandwiches in the books. Unless there's anything you'd like to add, Lou. I do have. Just your oh, reminder of, uh, yeah, you kind of reminded me of one thing. Um, your whole happy, crappy, happy was the kicking game. I had just an absolute roller coaster with Everson Griffin yet again. I mean, we <laughs> third and five early in the game, we get a nice stop defensively. He gets one of those little, he tries to just get one little extra jab on that, on that right tackle, hands to the face, automatic first down. So I'm like, God. Damn it, Everson. Third and five, you give him an automatic first down. Here we go. We've seen this a million times, but yep. guess what? Next play, sack. Next one after that, strip sack. Like, Everson, what are we... Like, you got to take the good with the bad, I guess. But, like, that was arguably the quickest turnaround that I have ever seen from Everson Griffin. And then again, late in the game... I, at the time, most people probably didn't think it mattered, but he got like a roughing the passer penalty kind of late that kind of kept their drive, gave, gave him a little bit of momentum. Thankfully, this one wasn't on a third down, but I was, this was when we were up 10 still, I think. So I was like, okay, it's not over yet, but 
Like this just gives them an extra free 15 yards. And like this game is not over. The announcers were saying, talking about how the Vikings are going to be moving on. The lines are going to be going 0 and 5 with like three and a half minutes left. And then they kick a field goal. And then we get the fumble. And I'm like, of course they jinxed us in the booth with three and a half minutes left. They're already talking like, yep, as soon as the Vikings win this one, we'll get you over to the Packers Bengals. I was like, guys. Yeah, you're like, think with it here. We're not done yet. Sorry, a little tangent, but Everson, love you, hate you, love you, happy crap, love you, hate you, and love you. Yeah, that was, I'll tell you what, just, just to hang on it a little longer, the end of that game, I mean, there was pure devastation on my face, just absolutely crushed. I mean, as um, soon as they scored the touchdown, score. I knew they I think everyone knew the two-point conversion was going to be good. Like everyone yeah. in the oh, world sure. knew that. Like for oh. sure. And and on a little personal note, so I had a kid. I think anybody listening to this probably already knows Hello. that. But little T-Bone watching his first ever Vikings game, and I was just looking at him like, "You poor sob." I wrote an article this week <laughs> about whether I should, you know, raise him as a Vikings fan, kind of as a parody, of course, like. Or skull unit. Go Rams. But I was just like, oh, you poor bastard. You're going to have to grow up and live through the same stuff that we're going through day, week in and week out. Um, week one. But then tea. they just bring, yeah, week one of his life. And then they just pull you right back in at the end of the game by salvaging a win against the Lions. Like that part of this is like, we shouldn't have even been in this close of a game. The Lions were banged up. They suck. Like this was a really bad game for the Vikings as a whole. But we can talk more about that later. Next item on the list, Lou, is the Survivor Island, where we pick oh, one person right. and kick them off the island. Uh, I believe so far we got Breland, Rashad Hill, and D.D. Westbrook are swimming back to shore right now as they've been voted off the island in the previous few weeks. Lou, who do you have this week to vote off the island? Yeah, I mean, there was not a ton like of really horrible performances that at least that they didn't that make up on for with something. Yeah, that are still. Bashad Breland would be sixteen weeks in a row if we could. But yeah, him and just back and forth between Rashad Hill and Breland. Yeah, um, uh, I have number eighty nine, the backup tight end, backup third string tight end, Chris Sheesh. Herndon had two penalties. That negated big plays for the Vikings. Huge. And I'm pretty sure those were like the only two plays he had in the game. Uh, I could yeah. be wrong there. Someone fact check me. Um, but yeah, that was, I mean, in both times they'd pan over to him on the sidelines and he's got the classic hands in the air. Well, I didn't do anything. And then they bring in Dean Blandino. And of course he says, well, that's right there. Textbook penalty. Yeah. So negating two big plays when we didn't have a ton of fancy offense going on, we need all the big plays we can get in a game like that. And yeah. pretty much any game. Just absolutely brutal. Like, oh my gosh, what a goofy, what a bad play by him. Like, wake up. He's he's kind of in a position that, as you said earlier, Lou, the offensive line is in, where if you're the third string tight end, you really probably don't want your name getting called because yeah. you're not getting the ball thrown to you. The only thing you're doing is blocking and for the time being. So when he threw that, was it, I don't know what they call it, chop block, cut block, whatever they call it now in the NFL, but when he did that, 
first of all, I was like, man, the, the fact that that's illegal is a little wild because that's like a staple in my high school offense. So that was a little wild. But um, also, it's just like, dude, you're on the backside of the play. Like, just literally get in the way. Let him go around you. That's fine. Just like slow him down a little. Just mm-hmm. bump into him by accident. So that was annoying. I love that one, Lou. I was gonna, I was gonna suggest Dalvin Tomlinson, D tackle. I've been grinding on the D tackles, so he recorded one assist tackle in the whole game. Oof! Because his partner coming. in crime, Michael thanks Pierce, coming, wasn't. Uh, yeah, Michael, Michael Pierce, Pierce you know, seemed to hurt. So, anyways, Dalvin Tomlinson, and then. I felt we were just getting shredded in the run game early. And a lot of it felt like it was between the tackles. Like we were just getting beat up front and a local Minnesota shout out. Frank Ragnow, all pro center was out for them this week. Then they have a a pretty high pick at left tackle, but again, a rookie. So it was like, how are, how is this old line just destroying our defensive front in the run game? So that was frustrating. So that's why I suggested him personally. I love your choice, Lou. I think that's yes. who we got to go with, but I'll let you decide. I I think we go with it because he it, Dalvin Tomlinson's a starter. You know, hey, he's going to get his chance to screw up more times. This guy, I don't think he's going to be playing a whole lot more. Zim's a no nonsense guy. I think Short we go. Leash. What's his name again? I got to look it up. Chris Chris Herndon. If I even said Chris that Herndon, right. good riddance. Uh, I will say good luck for him becoming an MVP of one of these games <laughs> back on the island. Certainly seems like he may be done for the year in terms of the Survivor Island segment. To pivot off of that, we will choose an MVP. We'll see. Are we going to save somebody? Are we? What are we going to do here this week, Lou? What do you got for your MVP of the game? Um, you know, I think I'm going to have to go. Despite the fumble, Alexander Madison. I mean, he had over 100 yards. He had seven receptions for only 40 yards, but he did score a touchdown. Um, yep. He had the same amount of receptions as Justin Jefferson. Much, much, much fewer yards, but uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he did a great job again filling in for for an injured Dalvin Cook. So I mean, a lot of teams just have like a falling off a cliff from their starter to their backup. But I mean, he did a great job aside from that fumble. I mean. It's tough. I mean, he's trying to get that extra yard. He's he's just got kind of a chip on his shoulder, and he never just wants to, you know, fall over, let the clock run. But that was just unfortunate timing. And I mean, we saw it in week one. Dalvin did the same thing in overtime, allegedly fumbled, but um, allegedly <clears throat> both of them really. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's a good pick. I was gonna say Justin Jefferson. I felt like he was all over the field. You talked about it earlier. He was absolutely shredding the Lions secondary, which isn't exactly like a, whoa, there's a big feather in the cap, but it's still pretty awesome that he was just like dicing them up. Um, I'm in more ways than one because my fantasy team, he's on there. So that was huge. Nice little 20 spot. Um, I also think we should just make a call out to Eric Kendrick's pick. That one handed pick that was, was so sweet. They were that like, oh, just, it got tipped. And I was like, no, he just like, one handed that man. Come on, get out of here. Yeah. So I think, I think all three of those guys played, played a pretty solid game. Justin Jefferson, tons of yards in the air was his route running is just so fun to watch. He's like so he gets good. good separation from the DBs. Um, but ultimately Alexander Madison over 150 all purpose yards, a touchdown. I mean, just a beef eater carrying the load 25 times. 
It's just, again, of course, I'm going to say we should go with that because I'm a back back guy. I'm a running back guy. I don't need to do the rant again, but everybody knows running like what a what a serviceable running back we have in number 25 on a dang steal of a deal. So I think Alexander Madison, the MVP of week five win over the Lions. Fun to watch. Have we given Dalvin the MVP yet? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right uh, unless he goes for 260 and seven scores i'm not giving him anything um with that said we will uh we're going to move on to we've done in the past but we're going to do a little viking spinoff we're going to do an fmk this is f mary kill i think everyone listening probably knows the aim and our choices this week lou are Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer hugging slash fighting. What a controversy. Twitter was blowing it up. I would love to get your take on it once we get through the options here, but I don't even know what to think. Um, Next is Paul Allen saying boom on the opening kickoff. And third, Dan Campbell crying in the press conference. Some were saying that's a football guy move. Some were saying there's no crying in football. Lou, first of all, I'd like to give your take on, or like to get your take on the Cousin Zimmer post-game hug, fight, whatever, whatever that was. Joshing around, yeah. I mean, I guys personally love that two guys that really never get fired up. Well, I, I, I take that back. Kirk, his, we all know his, you like that. That's about as fiery as he gets. Yeah. Um, Zimmer usually only gets fiery in the angry sense. So I've never really seen him mm-hmm. give the fist pump or like get excited about a big play. He's always just kind of like, yeah, we were supposed to do that. Like I'm the best coach ever. Um, so I loved it. Honestly, I loved it. They were high five and hugging. They were both grabbing each other's shirts, shaking them up a little bit. So I liked it. I want to see right, more of that. Go. So you think they were just like fired up? They weren't fighting. They oh, were just... not a chance. No, okay. that's just guys being dudes after a guys big win. Dudes right there. Um, I thought right away, I was like, oh, they're just goofing around. But then the more I watched it from different angles, I was starting to get worried. I was like, I don't know. Maybe they did shove them away. Who knows? I think they're just so excited, caught up in the moment. Like, yeah, way to go, Kirk. Sure. Way to go, coach. We did it. You can't kick. You can't fire him this week. He made the kick. Ha-ha. Made the Something kick. like that. I, I I heard a report on Twitter that said he went up to him and said, you like that. Like <laughs> he said. Into, Shocker. Into Mike Zimmer's face. So with that said, Lou, would you like to give us your F. Mary kill on Dan Campbell, post-game cry, Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer, hug slash fight, or Paul Allen, boom, at noon? Yep. I am going to do F, Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer. That's something new, something spicy. You know, it's hot. It's hot. Yeah, it's hot. It's hot in the streets. We like that. Um, Got to marry Dan Campbell. It's tears because oh, no. that's a guy who cares, man. That's a guy who's going to treat you right. He's going to give you his all. If you give him your all. That's someone, you treat sp- me right. that's someone you spend a life with right there. And then okay, I see you. PA, eh. See ya. I'm I'm not a huge PA guy. I like yeah, to laugh at some of this stuff. Here. So I might be a bit biased, but also like it's the first kick of the game. I don't need to hear boom every time. That it 
just kicks a touchback. Like, also, for that matter, it's another tangent, but not everyone's loose on every play, Paul. <laughs> so it's more of a gripe with just Paul Allen in general. Um, for me, I'm a I'm a be there for the boom guy. I love Ooh. it. I think the boom is fun. I think I think it. First of all, be there for the boom. The alliteration. I mean that. I sells mean, how is that? Yeah, podcast. how do they not promote the show by that? Like, geez. So, so I love that. I, I do appreciate the boom. I think it's just a fun, exciting way to kick off. He's competing uh, vocally. A, some might say. Hey, yeah, people don't talk about that enough. Competing vocally. He's doing it in the booth. We should be doing it in the stands. I am going to say, ultimately, I am going to marry the boom. That's a, lo- that's a, a long-term thing for me. It's been going on for a long time. It's going to continue to be a part of my life for a long time. I'm in on it. I'm with it. I'm hip with it, and I'm wow. I'm going mar- to F Kirk Cousins, Mike Zimmer, hugging, fighting. It's going to be an emotional one for me because I don't know if they were hugging. I don't know if they're fighting. I'd love to hear more details come out about that, but you just never know. Ultimately, I love the passion and Raw it's just, passion. It, it, it was a big moment in celebrating what I, I look back on as kind of a comical game where we had it in hand and then we lost it. And then against all odds, Kirk Cousins leads a game winning drive to, to take it back. And then he, you likes that in the face of the coach. Was it playful? Was it aggressive? We'll never know. Or we may know. Who knows? Okay. And I'm going to kill Dan Campbell. I just thought it was so over the top. I'm sure he's like a really good, genuine guy. But when you talk about eat, biting kneecaps and eating kneecaps in preseason, if you're a big tough guy and then you're going to cry <laughs> about losing the game, at what point do we take a step back and say, I get it, it's his job. But like, could you imagine... If man's you're livelihood. At your job, and all of a sudden you're, let's just say you're a supply chain guy at Target or something crazy like that, and all of a sudden a truck doesn't get delivered on Thursday, it's going to end up shipping on Friday, and you just start crying. You just lost it. You're in the office, and you're just like, I need a moment. Go to the bathroom. The question is, is you that might. truck driver doing everything he can to get there on Thursday? That's the thing. You don't know. Doesn't? Is he competing as hard as he possibly can? with his brothers, the other truckers and drivers on the road. But the thing is, is you might go cry right in a private place. Take a moment. Not him, not Dan. Nope. Dan's going to go cry in front of the entire media. To me, it just, I don't know if it just didn't feel genuine or what it was, but I, I was not a fan. Um, I just, again, crying over a game week five of the season when you're on four and you're just like, I just feel so bad that my guys compete so hard. Listen, you can compete till your butt falls off. If your team sucks, it's going to be hard to win games in the NFL. So wrap your tiny little brain around that, Dan, because you got a big heart, so you must have a small brain. So that does it for the FMK. A little different, little different spice for the two of us here, but ultimately, a lot of good football stuff. I think the last thing we kind of wanted to dive into here this week on a shorter pod we gave a little respect to the kicking game, Greg Joseph, emotional roller coaster. But with the kicking game in Minnesota, it always comes with this whole job security issue. And today we're not putting the kicking game on the hot seat, but rather we're putting the rest of the team on the hot seat, Lou. Oh. Five games into the season, we're two and three. Schedule looks 
tough in the next six games. Um, it's going to be a bit of a gauntlet, the teams we got over the next six games. Um, what is the direction of this team, Lou? What do you think? I'm looking at Kirk, definitely, obviously. Zimmer, Clint Kubiak, the offensive coordinator. Big, other big names, Thielen, Jefferson. I mean, I don't think they're going anywhere, but what, what's the direction of this team? How are we feeling about the season at this point? Let's just do a little touch base. Um, I mean, I'm glad we got a win. Like I said, that is a must-win game, but a gauntlet to say the least coming up. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule right now, and yikes. Yeah, we got I mean, Panthers, I, I honestly, Cowboys, Ravens, Chargers, Packers, 49ers. All those teams are in pretty good positions other than the 49ers who play in the hardest division of football. Right. So not exactly an easy run there. I was honestly thinking to myself before the game yesterday, if Zimmer doesn't win this game, he might be gone. Yeah. Like he just might be gone after that. Certainly after they, I think they're going to lose at least three of the next four. Unfortunately, maybe even five or six. Rough. Like, going for the it's, first, first overall pick. I mean, may, it might get to that point. No, nah, the Lions, I think have that pretty much locked up mathematically almost somehow that, yeah, between them and the Jets, maybe, or you know the perennial, perennial, perennial powerhouse for the, the number. Draft. Yeah, <laughs> that's worked out so well for them. But I mean, I don't, I, I really like Mike Zimmer as a coach. I, I don't exactly know why, because like he doesn't have an astounding record. He hasn't taken us any. He hasn't even taken us to the Super Bowl. Yes, that one team was. He, I think he does get some really good things out of some of his players. Um, but I mean, he's he's always had like this defense first mentality, which is obviously going to happen because he's a he's a defensive guy. But mm-hmm. it almost feels like he was, has just been so hesitant to even do anything with the offense. But like as a head coach, you have to do that. That's your job. You're the coach of the whole team, not just the defense. So I don't know, like especially that when that report came out about like him and Kirk just like never talked. Yeah, no wonder like things are bad. Like, like you, he has a five different offensive coordinators in five years. He's got a head coach that doesn't talk to him. Like, I don't know. I think if they got to pull out some magic, Clint Kubiak needs to pull out all the stops here because we can't be afraid to like hide any special plays in the playbook. It's time to win some games. Like, we need to do whatever we can to scratch out a couple wins here to make this a even semi-successful season. Yeah, it's weird with from the Kubiak angle. It's like some games it seems like he has an awesome game plan up to half, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden the second half it just fizzles, and it's like he has no idea how to make in-game adjustments or something like that. Or he'll have little stretches where you feel like he's like, wow, he's dialed in, like he's making great calls. But ultimately it doesn't sustain for a whole game for whatever but- reason. And maybe maybe it's all him being new this year, uh, not new to the team, but being in a new role, kind of being in charge now. It's a little more pressure. He's got to figure it out. We can't we can't just fire every OC after five games, right? But it definitely has a vibe that's like, is he in it or is he not? Like, is, does he understand? Is he the guy for the job or is he not? Right. It's and also I believe this is his first year as an as an OC. So I mean that's mm-hmm. that probably has something to do with it. He just maybe a second guessing himself or like he just doesn't have the experience to know 
exactly what to call in exactly what situation. Like his dad obviously had years and years of experience. <laughs> yeah. Gary, if you're listening, I'd probably take you back. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't know. Kirk's been looking good though. With that's Clint. true. See, the 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 point I kind of wanted to go off of was, and I'm not saying this is how you run a professional sports franchise, but what coach wants to take this job? Like, I I just feel as though the Vikings is not a very desirable job. We're locked into longer bad contracts with, uh, granted, some star quote star players potentially, right? Whether you think Kirk is or not, whatever. But I mean, Delvin is a star. As much as it just we got some money wrapped up considered. on that defense, that's for sure. Yeah, and there's some defensive money there with Harrison and um, oh, geez, Daniel Hunter and those guys and Kendricks, Barr. But it's one of those things where it's how how does a new coach get to rebuild his own roster? Like Cousins is on for two more years. A lot of these defenders are in for long-term deals. I, I just, I don't know. And again, that's not like, oh, let's just let him drag his feet and Zimmer continue to build this team. Like if you're going to rebuild, you're going to rebuild. But to me, it's, it's ultimately like, who's going to want, like who's going to be the guy? Like, who are we going to get that wants to be in this position to try to rebuild this team? That's in an absolute graveyard of a situation. Um, ultimately, I think Zimmer's done a good job at the helm. I think the the interesting thing is is the team that's had the most success in over the last ten years, right? Is probably is definitely the Vikings, and they're the one team who's re, who's remained with Zimmer as a coach for long term. The other teams have kind of turned over guys pretty quickly, and I think it's just another testament to that. In in professional athletics, it's hard to do that. It's hard to constantly change coaches, but and I know Dalton, he's talked about this a lot. And Isaiah, that's you got to let them kind of put in their system, do their thing. And then Dalton totally flips on the Vikings and wants to fire Zim. <laughs> you know, this is just a great opportunity to expose Dalton and not have him be here to defend himself, which is always what you want to do. Yep. And so I just think, what a hypocrite. Not just getting Dalton. Um, but it's one of those things where is it time where we finally, we've seen the process through. He's drafted guys that have either been successful or haven't been successful. It, you're either growing or you're dying, right? That's what they say. Are the Vikings dying right now? And if so, is it time to move on from Zimmer? I mean, yeah, another big thing for me is like on paper, this team should be sick. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. We were supposed yeah. to have Irv Smith, which was unfortunate Sword that we lost Irvin. him. Uh, Dalvin Cook. I mean, we have a new first round draft pick for the line. Like granted, the rest of the line isn't isn't great still, which we've talked at length that, and then we still have Kendricks. Mm-hmm. We still have Daniil. We got these guys in free agent Tomlinson. We got Michael Pierce. We have, yep. we bring in Patrick Peterson. We have Harrison he Smith. Well on Sunday too. He did. He's been stepping up. And then Bashad Breeland was supposed to be good. And he's awesome. just, a, he's great terrible. sign. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Love that one. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, on paper, this team should be really good in my mm-hmm. opinion. And they just, I mean, I like we there. said, they could be four and one easily here, but I mean, either way, I think this gauntlet in front of us is gonna be tough. And if Zim can pull out even five hundred, I think that is a major win in these next five six games. So, Lou, let's draw a line in the sand. Oh boy, each of my us favorite thing after yeah, you. This is this segment's brought to you by Lucas Hansen. Drawn lines for lives. Um, 
in this segment, we're going to decide what, what, how many games left this season does Zim have? Is he going to make it through the whole season and get fired? Is he going to get, is he coming back next year? Is he going to make it through five games? What do you think? Just going out on a limb. Yeah, I, I think they're going to leave him on. I, I think they're going to leave him. Gut's telling me. I, I, don't know if I 100% agree with it, but I think they're going to keep him for the rest of the season. I think with Spielman and with Ziggy, they maybe respect him enough to, because he's an old school guy, that they'll keep him on for the whole season, regardless of how how terrible it is. Um, be, part of the reason being, I don't really know who would replace him as an interim coach. Sure, shit shouldn't be Clint Kubiak. Yeah, I know that you know, much. Baptism by fire, sir. So, do you think they will then? fire him after the season or hang on to him i unless he's this thing gets turned around i think he's gone at the end of the year as of right now and i I think it's safe to say that zimmer and spielman are kind of a package that's exactly yep so that's the thing where if spielman fires him i think he's got a real short leash i think i I said that i think it might even be a spielman gets fired and then and that, and then Zimmer's in a cold sweat in his office for <laughs> 13 minutes until they make it down to his office and can him as well. Um, I, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I like the approach. I just don't think there's anybody in house that we're like, hey, maybe we let them, you know, give them the keys to the car and let the guy them was see Stephen, how they do. And the guy was Kevin Stefanski, is who it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's done well for himself. Good for you, Kevin. Um, as for the boys here in the cold north. It's it's just yeah, there's just doesn't seem like there's a coach who's ready. And maybe that's just because we don't know enough about the coaching staff. I would be shocked if Clint Kubiak was the guy. Um, so it seems like they're gonna let him fizzle out this year, probably the day after the year the the season's done. He's they'll canned. they'll come out with the we agree to mutually part ways, something like that. Yeah, he, Zim's heading home to the ranch and the Vikings are going in a different direction. That's the way it seems. Uh, with that, I think we both probably agree the playoffs may be a little out of reach with the gauntlet of a schedule coming up. Unless we can rattle off a few here, that'd be great. It, I mean, it would be just like the Vikings to win like two of the next three and then just like bring us right Raw, back in, yeah. get in Raw the hunt sense. somehow, get on that graphic, and then just, of course, lose to the Bears twice Rip at the end of the season. Out. Yeah. And Classic probably likes. the Lions. So a lot to look forward to uh, as the Vikings season comes to the midway point. Uh, I think that'll do it this week. Episode 40 in the books. Uh, Lucas and Connor here coming at you live. Uh, Not really because it's a podcast, but um, I think that'll do it for this week. So um, be sure to follow us on Twitter and check out tellemsports.com. And uh, got some more blog materials coming out. And so tune in for more next week. Go Wolves. Peace. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.